Welcome to the All Things Blues and Southern Rock Podcast. A Southern Storm, a bold, liberating rock, shot through with blues, soul, and gospel. And now, your hosts for the show, Brian Jones and Jason Johannes. Welcome back to another episode of the All Things Blues and Southern Rock Podcast. Thank you guys for downloads uh, and participating on the Facebook page and all that great stuff. We love you. And Jason's here with us. Uh, what is going on, man? I am doing well. Getting into that Christmas season. We're a couple weeks away from Christmas. And like um, some of our friends from the podcast family has some really good Christmas songs out there, Brian. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, our friends in the Georgia Thunderbolts just did a rock around the Christmas tree. And then the cold stairs have daddy looks a lot like Santa. Both came out, both great tunes. Go check them out. Yeah. I've, uh, I saw the, the Georgia Thunderbolts one and I got to listen to that all the way through. And, uh, cold stairs one is good. It's just Chris with an, like an acoustic guitar playing. Okay, um, cool. Really cool. And that's a super old song he's covering. Sounds great. Also, Cold Stairs News, because you know I love that band. You're probably sick of me talking about them. But they just added a bass player. They're going to play their first show uh, in their hometown of Evansville, Indiana, Jan in January. I think it's January 22nd. As a three-piece, the first show ever as a three-piece. I can Right. I'm on. Looking that, well, as a bass player, like. I'm liking that. I'm like, yeah, 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 is this yeah. a permanent thing with those yep. guys? Or yeah, right that's on. what Chris says. They they're gonna round as a three piece and and go. But so Georgia Thunderbolts get their Christmas single, get the Cold Stairs Christmas single. And what's the Georgia Thunderbolts one again? Uh, rocking around the Christmas tree. Okay, there you go, there you go. Someone I saw someone else doing. It's gonna do Run Rudolph Run. I can't remember where I saw that or who's doing that or. That's a good one. If it's the one with suit, you know, our family band. Let's we'll talk them up. So, what I think I'm going to do, Brian, is do a all things blues and Southern rock uh, Christmas playlist of like good rock songs because, you know, the Black Crows covered Backdoor Santa years ago, go. and that's really good. Um, you know, we got, of course, talk about the Cold Stairs and Georgia Thunder. There's a couple of really good songs in this genre. We'll post them for everybody for you guys to take take a look at and make your playlist for Christmas. Right on. So you mentioned the Cold Stairs, which is a band that you've been like really uh... – pimping you've really been uh pushing yeah for sure and then that happened to me too and it's really i'm basically on fire for mojo thunder who we had bryson on the podcast a while back and like i said it's like i catch on to things like a little slower but it's just a fan fantastic record hymns from the electric church and it just uh it just goes it falls in line with all that stuff from kentucky and i i was uh i was uh posting earlier about that I, i think it was on the next to kin page about you know i wonder why nobody's done a documentary like a real like independent film documentary on kentucky rock and roll music scene because the bar seems to be raised so high i mean it's like it's crazy you hear, you hear otis eyes of the sun and it's just fantastic and then you hear mojo thunder and i know uh, certainly i'm going to get into the josephines i could probably tell, promise you that and it's like you know, Blackstone Cherry, you know, they, they, the bar is raised high from the Kentucky Hunters, and each band like goes, well, that, that's freaking awesome. Now we got to do that or, you know, try to be as good. And I want to find out who raised the bar for the Kentucky Headhunters and who raised the bar for them when they were Itchy Brothers. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's just, it's, it's, you know, and of course we've talked about other areas of the country too, in Brooklyn and little things going on in Little Rock and, but Kentucky is crazy right now with yeah. all, all the good rock bands and all the good music, new and old, that are coming out of it right now. Yeah. 
And it's just, uh, it's great. It's great. I've been chatting a lot with Bryson and it's, you know, once again, that's one of those bands where it's like, it's almost like a closer access to them, you know, and the first one that, that I ever, you know, kind of felt that with is Magnolia Bayou. And so we've just been able to meet so many great bands and this, this whole podcast has opened up this whole world of all this great music and these great bands, new bands, younger bands, Yep, or newer bands it, with older guys, and, <laughs> and Mojo and Mojo Thunder is doing something really cool with their with their live right. show. What are they doing, right. Ryan? Well, they're playing two sets, and the second set is they're doing their tribute to uh, Skinner pronounced oh, Skinner songs. Yeah, and uh, man, I I love to hear that. I mean, they're definitely <laughs> they're definitely talented enough to do that. Let me tell you that 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 record comes from the Electric Church is just. Yep, bunch of energetic young dudes, bright future in front of them out of Lexington, Kentucky. Right, right, right. So do we have any show alerts? Uh, I do not have any show alerts no this time. Alerts. Things to be sl- slowing down just right. a bit with the yep. holidays coming around and everything else. So um, I will, well, no, I'm going to lie. Them Dirty Roses are going to be playing in Columbus on Friday, December 16th. And yeah. the Woodlands, where I've seen them play the last two times and also – I've seen Rich Robinson play there. So they will be December 16th, Woodlands in Columbus, Ohio. I'm going to see if, and with the Josephine's opening up, I'm going to see what my calendar looks like to try and get out to that. Nice, nice, nice. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. You're going to be at that gig, you said? I'm going to try to. I got to see. It's, there's a lot of holiday stuff going on around that time. I have to ask my wife. Well, we're still waiting for confirmation from Zachary from the Josephines on that Kentucky Christmas special. Zachary. Come on, Zachary. <laughs> so you're mentioning, we're mentioning, and we're all mentioning all these new great bands. Uh, however, we've come across them. We don't always remember, but that's probably a pretty good segue into our guests. Yep, yep. You know, our friends, uh, the Babylon Shakes, who we've, we've kind of taken on. We've got um, uh, Chris Clark. Uh, coming in there and Gary Jordan uh, from the Babylon Shakes coming in and talk to us. And it was, it was very cool because it's a ironic. We're talking about Mojo Thunder and then Babylon Shakes, because when we were talking to Mojo Thunder, um, the bass player, he did, like lost his connection or whatever. And it was kind of towards the end of the episode. Now we have the opposite. And you guys, <laughs> you guys, Gary <laughs> joins late <laughs> in the, in the purple ether. In the purple ether, the purple rain. We couldn't see him laughing because it was purple. And uh, we have to mention, too, uh, Chris Clark is the one who designed our logo. Uh, he's very gracious to do that. And, and, and he has been a great guy and a good friend and, and, a, and a good soul to be in contact with and talk to. And uh, yep. I think you guys are really, really going to enjoy this, our chat with uh, – Mostly with Chris Clark and then Gary Jordan, too, at the end uh, from Babylon Shakes.
We're at the guest segment of this week's episode of the podcast, and Jason's going to tell you who we have with us today. Absolutely. Excited to have on one of our friends of the podcast who we've done a quick video hitter with, uh, somebody that we've chatted along with, who's helped my band out a little bit. It's from an excellent band called the Babylon Shakes out of Virginia. Mr. Chris Clark, how you doing, Chris? Good. How you guys doing? We're doing great. great. We're doing great. First of all, we have to thank you, and if any of the listeners don't already know that Chris, you designed our logo for the podcast and we're forever grateful for that. It's a great logo and everybody likes it. And so thank you for that. Oh, absolutely. My pleasure. Yeah, I've, I've discovered you a while back and um, just, you know, you've uh, introduced me to a lot of bands I'd never heard of. And it, it, um, it just really re-energized me to, to even write more and get more involved. So, wow. yeah. Wow. Thank you. Wow, that's that, Thank you. And you designed my band's new logo. We've been around a long time, but we need a new logo. And you did that for uh, Ghost Town Silence. So thank you for that. You are an extremely talented dude, musically, graphic artistly. <laughs> Graciously. <laughs> Graciously. But no, like you're somebody that, uh, we, we, Brian, I think you might have run across the Babylon Shakes first and then we just kind of really sparked a really good relationship with you guys over social media and stuff and then when we found out you know you got this full-length album coming out it's like gotta have chris on yes absolutely yeah i try to remember like wherever we came across stuff and i think at the end of the day it's just important that we did because i can't always remember pinpoint exactly when that happened but uh so i just i want to start with like just you know from your first two records to what you're doing now there was such a, a growth and such a change and such a jump like where where did that start where was that seed planted where well, it was clearly by our podcast he said that <laughs> i know you said you're listening to exile and southern harmony and that but like we just where did was that seed planted when did it start we had started let's see we had the the band started in like september of 2017 so about four years ago and um i'd met i'd met jeff mortimer our drummer at a faster pussycat show and nice. my Ironic. yeah my <laughs> all messiahs were opening that show and um it was it was our last show and um i met jeff we started talking we we kind of got along and uh he said hey man if you ever need a drummer look me up you know i'm i'm in northern virginia and you know i'd love to love to do something so it kind of stuck in my head and I went back home and um, I had these demos I'd been writing that weren't really working with the band I was in and they were a little more a little more glammy a little more sleazy and so I sent I put like four songs together and I sent them to Jeff thought nothing of it and he got back to me instantly I love this stuff this is great let's put something together and uh, I said you know do you know a bass player and he's like yeah my best friend Gary from uh they played in a band called cage together in the maryland and dc area so it was really just totally magic and we got together and um the that sound was really uh these songs i've written kind of based on like my experiences growing up and playing in bands when i was much younger in the like late 80s and early 90s so it had it kind of had that sunset strip um Mm -hmm leasiness to it and that's exactly where that was coming from but um for sort of where we are now let's see i guess about about two years ago we um 
we got together to, we were going to start writing uh, new material for the follow-up to uh, Exile to the Velveteen Lounge, which would have normally been another like really uh, kind of sleazy uh, Gibson Les Paul sort of faster pussycat LA guns kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But for some reason we got together and we're all sitting around with acoustic guitars and we start just kind of riffing on Rolling Stones and Allman Brothers and we're all connecting we spent like seven seven days together at gary's house and um it's all of a sudden we're like you know what when i was growing up i really loved the stones i really dug leonard skinner and uh the black crows and we it started like this whole um kind of like a group think and we discovered that you know each guy in the band knew a little something that brought um some kind of new new element to the sound and before we realized it we're like you know we're tuning our guitars down to open g um we're playing more blues based stuff and it just was like this huge spark and i went back home after that um that whole writing session and i just like completely just like started banging out songs left and right and um that kind of that, that that just really like wrapped up sort of the the kind of the transition to where we are now yep you hit on something about the guitar so chris you're the you're the lead vocalist you also play guitar in the band i know gary plays guitars as well but you said you tuned down to open g had you had experience playing open tunings before never never never, never. okay i think um i maybe once twice I, I went i tried like open e and tried to, to play slide yeah a lot of allman brothers like open e stuff yeah I, I failed miserably. It's like <laughs> uh, we all have. Don't worry. <laughs> but oh, yeah, Open G was like it was like learning a new language. You mm -hmm. know, it was it was literally like once you kind of get that uh, get that really basic skill set. Yeah, you figure you out the shapes and how to move the shades up and down the neck. Yep. Yeah. It just, it opened everything up and um, yeah, I came back home and I, I, I know I drew, drove the guys crazy because every, every few days I would send like, you know, two or three different songs I demoed like, hey, check this out, check this out. And it was, I was so inspired by the, the new sound that we had found and, um, you know, just really getting into it. And I really, I started, you know, really applying my, like my full voice, not like um you know, when you're younger and you're playing more metal and more hard rock, you really want to get up as high as you can go mm -hmm. and get the. And of course, being a little older too, I couldn't quite do that. So I started <laughs> with this whole thing. I'm listening to more Humble Pie, and The Crows, and uh, Almond Brothers. So it really started to all of that went in my head and started affecting every the way I write, the way I sing, and uh, it's it's taken about a little over two years but it's you know we've kind of arrived at where we are now with uh with vintage soul rock and roll you know being released i know when i first heard another broken halo it, it you know the way the verses are starting it it it, had, it it was reminiscent or has that vibe of sometimes salvation and that's where i was like really wow man these guys are, are great so i gotta compliment you on that song oh thank you so much that was um I tell everybody, everybody that song was just writing. That was like a gift. I mean, there's some songs that you just labor over forever to finish or to, 
to get a bridge or to, to come up with the right phrase that ties everything together, that song just literally like fell out of the sky. It's kind of, it's re- it's repetitive, but it's really dramatic. Um, and so it was just, it was just a moment of having that right emotion. Once I got that little chord progression, I just grabbed a notebook from, um, from the shelf started it, it just all came right out it was one of those rare gift um gifts of a song yeah and you, brian and brian had brought this up to me even before having you guys on he's like man their new stuff really does have that rolling stones that crow sound definitely in this blues southern rock vein then your 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 first go around which i think you know classify more as like 80s metal 80s rock mm-hmm. you can clearly tell the difference and like you know you're talking about playing on open G tunings and stuff. I think it really has expanded your sound. And like, you guys are definitely up, in my opinion, a better band in kind of this direction that you moved into for sure. Not that you sucked before Chris, but like, <laughs> you know, I think it, it definitely goes a lot along the lines of what Brian and I are doing on this podcast. Oh, definitely. I was, I was, uh, I did an interview uh, a couple of weeks ago with, with Sleaze Rocks. Yeah. And- yeah. We were talking about, um, oh, he, he, yeah, the, the interviewer asked me um, about, like, where you, the inspiration for the songs. What's the difference in songs now versus, um, you know, the songs from uh, the previous, uh, you know, album, you know, Exile to the Velveteen Lounge. And it really hit me then, like, these songs are much more personal. These are very, um, very deep things that... Uh, have been happening in my life in my friends lives there in the band um it all you know really COVID kind of coincided with all of this too so by the time we were really excited and had just kind of gotten this this sound and everything ready to go you know the world shut down completely so we had to kind of go back and um you know we had a lot more time on our hands and and I, I wrote even more and that whole time period is is what is vintage soul rock and roll. Those ten songs came really out of COVID, but um, yeah, it's just it's just much more personal stuff. Just watching like um, a lot of the political divide happen on social media was really I'd never seen anything quite like that in, in my lifetime. And of course, you know, being locked down, it was it was just really strange. So it um kind of put me in a whole nother headspace to to really go deeper into my soul to pull out pull out these songs so previously uh, the other the old stuff you mentioned you know some of the la bands from that time and this is kind of a two-part question but um we're you know it's probably purely coincidental but was faster pussycat kind of a big influence at that time and Tammy down and then second of all you know, I'm assuming you're going to keep some of that stuff in the live set. Does that, are they, are they going to be played just the way they were then? Is it, how did, is that going to like transform it all or? Let's see. Yeah. Yeah. Faster Pussycat was definitely, definitely an influence. I always loved them. I kind of, kind of from even the, the, my eighties days, I always thought they, they were just such a cool band. They were so different. They, um, they weren't like, like super technical, no. uh, very you know, more punky in there, like. Yeah, yeah. Cause, and I love the New York Dolls, so I really saw Faster Pussycat as like a newer extension of that whole thing. And I love the look. I was always into the fashion. And uh, so to me, like Faster Pussycat, L.A. Guns, uh, God, like Shotgun. Well, er- 
early GNR, man. Like they were right because LA yeah. Guns, GNR are all one in the same Hollywood Rose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's exactly where my whole headspace was um, with the you know with the early Babylon Shakes, and um, we do uh, as far as playing some of that material now. We we still do um, every once in a while. I think actually the last. Yeah, every show will either pull out like Velveteen Libertine, um, Motel Lights, sometimes we'll end a set with. And it's um it's pretty similar. It's maybe a little more a little more bluesier. Our amps are kind of um aren't quite on the high gain that they used to be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're a little bit up in o- open G. It translates fairly well. So um, you got to have a little more cleaner work on the amp, but you know, because you want everything to ring and not just be all distorted out. Right. Right. So, yeah, we still yeah, we still do stuff. And we'll, I think we'll always keep I know, especially Velveteen Libertine. And uh, well, I like your older stuff, too. Like, mm-hmm. but I'm a big, you know, Brian and I both are big 80s rock guys. So. Right. But, you know, but you're going back to like uh, vintage soul rock and roll. It is that crow's um uh stones like it's definitely more of that vibe than than anything else for sure mm-hmm. oh definitely yeah we just kind of um we just we wanted to take like with with the open g stuff it just really changed how everything moved in a song and um the way we we started playing together we got looser we wanted the songs to uh to be longer and i mean we used to gosh in the early days we would we had like like 10 songs and we would be done in 40 minutes mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> we would flow through it like the ramones now we can play geez i think our last show we played eight songs and we played for almost an hour and 15 minutes so it's just really you know you just lengthen everything and sometimes we we jam and extend things out but um it's really given us the freedom to do that. We feel more creative and, and feel more um, comfortable and confident doing stuff like that. Are you guys both doing Open G or somebody playing in standard? We right now we're both in Open G and we'll, we'll switch. We'll write the set list specifically so that um, you can match you know, the guitars and keep them for a couple songs. Yeah. Yeah. Know the but feeling. What, yeah. What we're talking about doing now is it, kind of like switch that off a little bit like i'll play standard and like i'll let gary handle open g so we can kind of try some new things um we're, we yeah, really want black wanna... crows right that's those guys a lot yeah. of their stuff you know rich is in whatever open tuning he's in because he uses a different guitar different tuning than mark or whoever's playing leads kind of set and whatever they're doing yeah i think it works really well it does. You know, you, so, many, so many different little things and we want to play um more like harmony solos we're doing a little bit of that now but we really want to bring that into the, the like the almonds right the almonds always did that even even the the most recent edition with warren always plays everything in pretty much standard and then you know you've got the the slide blues master of all time Derek trucks playing usually an open e and those guys you know figure out how to play that and like if you play an e chord in standard versus an open tuning, they each sound different, right? Even though you're both playing equal, and that's cool. And it's cool to have that dynamic. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. We're. I think that's that's definitely something we're gonna incorporate into the very near future. Did the title of the record? Did that was that like real natural? Did that just kind of drop out of the sky too, or was that 
something that you kind of bounced ideas off each other? We, um, gosh, we, we've been through, um, several different album titles. I think when we started two years ago, it was going to be called Augusta County Gypsy Blues. Um, and then it was going to be seven moons just from that artwork I created, um, with kind of the, uh, the real sort of psychedelic, the, the astral angel who's holding the moons, uh, the guys in the band really liked that. And that was, that was the artwork for seven sisters, uh, seven moons, a digital single. So everybody liked it and like, yeah, it should be, we should take that and make it a, the album cover. So we landed on that for a while. Um, uh, but then we had these t-shirts from the early, early days that were, that had, our kind of our tagline, which used to be uh, vintage sleeves, if you please. And just in joking one day, I think my wife was, was, we we were pulling them out of uh, storage. And I looked at it and said, well, we could just change that to vintage soul rock and roll and it would still work. And she looked at me, she's like, that's, that'd be a good album title. So I just kind of threw it. And they were like, oh, that's it. Yeah. Where's that been the whole time? It's a good album cover and it's a good description of the type of music you guys are playing. Mm -hmm. That um uh, that album art really it I love it because it looks like an old '60s jazz record or something, <laughs> some like your grandfather had, and it's <laughs> like his smoking lounge, you know. <laughs> so now the record comes out um, as we're recording this. This is uh, on Monday the sixth. The sixth today. Today's <laughs> the sixth, correct? Monday the sixth. So it comes out uh, this Friday, um, the tenth, and what else? Uh, what formats are you coming out on? Like when, when does the pre-sale hit and all that good stuff? Um, for, yeah, for Friday, December 10th, it's all, uh, it's, it'll be the digital, all the streaming platforms. It'll be live. Um, and we've got the physical, physical CDs, uh, ready and in stock as well. So you can order those. And we're also on Friday, we're going to start taking pre-orders for the vinyl record, Ooh. which Finally, finally safely announced we should have in hand by the end of March. So, okay. yeah. But yeah, we I pre-ordered your CD off Bandcamp and a shirt. And you guys, you being a graphic designer, like you guys have awesome merch. It looks great. A lot of different varieties. Brian's rocking his Babylon Shakes, although you listen to the podcast, cannot see it. Um, just, man, I mean, you guys just have great swag. Oh, thank you. You. thank you i took when we were we first started talking about merch i was telling the guys i want our merch to be as cool and diverse and just collectible as and i was looking at i thought i always thought faster pussy get had the best merch then social distortion they have amazing uh t-shirt junkyard has great merch always yeah yeah and uh who else oh chris robinson brotherhood yeah Oh my gosh! I was blown away by the the uh, the artwork on all of all of those bands' uh, merchandise and gra- all the graphics. So um, yeah, I just I really really wanted that to be a big part of of our band and the fan experience. We had a guy on from the Dayton, Ohio band Cricket Bows, so I know I played shows with, who's done stuff for the Chris Robinson, who's done design. He's a tattoo artist. Has done graphic design for those guys. Oh wow! We need to we need to hook you two up. Is what we need to do, Brian. What do you think? (laughs) For sure, for sure. (laughs) Hey, uh, so tell us, Chris, a little bit about. I know you got to talk to a little bit about the band, but like, tell us who's in the band, what their 
doing and kind of kind of how they got in there like you know are all these guys not everybody's who you played with before but let's talk about the band so we've got uh probably the longest standing uh member uh is is probably be with the drummer jeff mortimer and uh, like i said at in september 2017 and uh he's yeah he's a phenomenal drummer he's he played in a band called cage uh in the the kind of the baltimore dc area for okay. years um and he's also he's also uh taken up playing uh blues harp he's a killer harmonica player wow. uh, you hear it on drink my wine and, uh, there's some other stuff that we do in the live set and he's really really gotten good at that he sings as well just a fantastic drummer funny funny guy um he always gives me great ideas for songs he's he can uh we will quote like crazy 70s tv shows together like hollywood wares and johnny carson show we're always riffing on like don rickles jokes and stuff like that he's a master man he was a master of like the roast yeah oh yeah yeah they just got that sense of humor and uh that's the gary gary jordan was the original bass player in the first incarnation of the band and uh Gary then wanted to switch to guitar. He kept seeing Brian Forsyth looking so cool with that, you know, butterscotch blonde Telecaster. Mm -hmm. He's like, always wanted to play guitar. In the band. So we decided, you know, absolutely. And he's a, Gary's a phenomenal guitar player and, and writer. So it was an, it was an easy transition for him. And uh, Gary's also our, uh, he, he records all our music, mixes, masters, everything. He's in, we all just show up at his house in Stanton and go in, down to the basement. And that's kind of where everything, everything you hear comes from. Um, so he's, he's really the, the, the captain, the, the engineer of everything. And then our uh, bass player is a guy named Chris Herninko. He lives in uh, the, the Philadelphia area. So we are geographically, all of us just, pretty much take up the whole east coast mm -hmm. but yeah chris is a, like a total student of uh, the stones and the faces and the beatles um great yeah, another great songwriter singer player uh, he was he came to us from a band called uh spencer and the elegant blackouts who we had played with a couple of times in the like philly jersey area and they are they're very very faces um kind of ian mcclogan influenced well so when um when we needed a bass player we uh he just showed up one night and watched us play at uh, a club called bar 13 and we were just joking uh i told him i said why don't you learn a couple of our songs uh, a couple of weeks later he messaged me back and said he had learned everything and what's left what's left in the live set and i sent songs to him he learned them and we got together gosh last june and had a big uh big practice at gary's and just got off and running from there so you you haven't carried anybody over from your um original band i can't remember what you're with the name of the band you're playing with in 17 when when you ran into uh jeff oh that was a band that, that was called last call messiahs okay yeah that so these, was there's I, a whole new crew yeah whole new, yeah 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 the guys that were in that band went on to play and i think they're still in it's like a guns and roses tribute band okay i believe they're all involved in that and and 
some way or another. But yeah, I think that's kind of that's sort of more what they wanted to do. And um, you know, it's with it's it's such a huge difference playing original music and playing tribute. So you know, it's 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 easier to make money. It's easier to make a living doing that. It's so much harder to do what we do. So we're kind of oh, sure. But it's more fun to write your own stuff. So I've been in the same band for 15 years, all originals. We, you know, like we could do a cover band if we want to, but we want to write our own stuff and perform our own music because also we're not trying, we're not trying to make a living. We're just doing it for fun, right? So it's more fun for us to create our own tunes. You can write songs like Hookers and Blow and nobody, like, nobody cares. That's right. <laughs> that is one of our songs, by the way, Hookers and Blow. <laughs> Or Townie Bar, you know, a classic that I wrote. Hey, going into songwriting, are you the chief songwriter in the band? Or is that, ever, I mean, how do your songs come together? It's pretty much me. Yeah, I will, um, I'll write all the lyrics and come up with um, kind of a, a structure. Okay. And I'll blow it usually and have, you know, I don't know, maybe, sometimes maybe like 70 to 80% of it. And then I'll bring it to the guys and uh, I, I I'm terrible at, at drums, so I can't really do anything there. So I, that Jeff takes care of all of the, all of the, the drumming and the percussion and everything. So he'll, he'll sometimes put a, put a nice spin on it, or he, if he has a melody idea, he'll, he'll add that to, um, yeah, all the, all the other guys do contribute, uh, to kind of the finished product. Um, Chris is another guy who will, you know, like, Hey, put a, that song needs a bridge. What if you add something here? Gary kind of, Gary can just come up with just really amazing guitar parts just on the fly. I'll send him a demo sometimes and then he'll send me a file back. That's got a completed guitar. So solo on it that I never heard. So <laughs> you can just take it to a whole nother place. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Basically I'll just give them a sketch on a cocktail napkin and hand it to those guys. And by the time we all get in a room together, you know, it's we got a fully fleshed out oil painting when we're done. So uh, just earlier, you mentioned your recording process, which I was waiting to ask that. And so could you go more into depth on that? I mean, was that always the plan to record in the basement, record it yourselves in a in house? And and was there ever any other ideas? But it sounds great, everything you've done so far. And I haven't heard and, finished products yet. Yeah, we uh, yeah, we always we always wanted to kind of do it ourselves the the very first exile to the velveteen lounge we just we recorded in gary's basement at his previous house and we had another guy uh, another guy mix and master everything um and his specialty was like a lot of metal core he worked with some really really heavy bands uh, a guy named zach jones who's now in los angeles and I, if i'm not mistaken I think he's working with corn right now. So he's wow. really a master of that, that heavier, more modern sound, but he took our, you know, our, our songs and added enough of a sunset strip kind of thing to it that it really, really gave it that, um, that magic sound and it worked really well. And we knew too, you know, with, with vintage soul rock and roll, we really wanted to do it ourselves and to kind of keep it, uh, keep it close to the vest. Um, we had been signed to a label. We were signed to Highball Music uh, out of out of the Maryland area, and um, that's 
that's the label that released Exile to the Velveteen Lounge. And we really, we were very happy with that. We really were. Um, the only thing we knew when we were changing our sound that we, we really had no idea how long or a time frame it was going to be for us to record a full length record and get it out. And with a label, even a small label, they want you, you know, you got to deliver on a timeline. You're on their, their marketing plan. And we, we knew we couldn't really do that. We, we weren't sure, you know, how often we could get together or record and our budget is, is limited to, to what we can do sometimes on the weekend. So we just, we thought it best. Let's just bring this whole thing in house. We'll see what we can see how much we can polish up the sound. And um, we're really, really happy with the way it came out. It's all Gary did a fantastic job. Um, we did basic tracks. I think we were done with basic tracks back in gosh, maybe January this year. Yeah. And then we, you know, we came back, we had to do finished vocals and percussion uh, overdubs and stuff like that. And we were finally completely wrapped up. I want to say in all, like late August, early September. Right on. So, and then going into going back to the artwork, um, which you all, you do pretty all yourself, right? Mm -hmm. I do. Yeah. So, so what's that like where you guys are hands-on in the whole process, recording the record, doing the artwork, I mean, that must add to the whole overall joy of it that, that you, you're creating all of this stuff. It really does. It really, you know, you really feel like you're, uh, you're, you know, it's a brotherhood. We're like a, we're like a gang again. And um, everybody, you know, everybody has a say in it. We'll have group chats and, you know, I'll send out if it's a, you know, a poster idea or a, a single um, artwork or something, I'll send it to the guys and nine times out of 10, they really love, you know, where my head's at, you know, sometimes they'll come back and say, like, Hey, what if you did this or added this? And we kind of, you know, this, the same thing with song demos, everybody adds something that makes it totally original and totally unique to us. And um, we have a lot of respect for, um, for, for the beastie boys. And um, I read the, the beastie boys book and biography and they, they always kept things completely completely in-house they did their own flyers their own artwork they would go out on the you know out on the streets and flyer walls themselves um so we I always thought that was just a, a really amazing thing and i mean they i think when they left after the rick rubin the initial like the big record license to ill they started playing their own instruments they kind of became they became this whole other entity so we sort of see a bit of a parallel only not not in sound but you know in, in kind of like methodology i guess as to how how sort of like a gorilla artwork and and process those guys had and we've we've sort of adopted that as well but we absolutely love it it gives you total freedom and you can you can do exactly what you want to do so what happens now uh the record's coming out what shows have you guys done what what you know, people are out there getting to play live again. What's that? What's the touring look like for you guys? So far, we've got um, we've got some things lined up in March. We're going to we're going to wait till March uh, with, uh, with weather and we're going to get up north. We're going to have um, potentially uh, New York, uh, Philly and Delaware, definitely for sure in March. And we're going to start 
I've got a few feelers out and some things going on for possibly Nashville and Atlanta. Wow. Right on. We, I really want to cover more, uh, more of the East Coast and the South this year. Um, and we feel like with, you know, with the record coming out now, it's, it's, a, it's a body of work. It's really reflective of where we are. We, we really want to get out there and get behind it and, and, and bring it to the people. Well, you know, I'd like to hear some gear talks. I'm sure Jason's got some guitar questions there for you, some amps, some pedals. Why well, do we got, you're guys? A, so, what's, <laughs> what's your what's your number one axe right now? I got a I have a 2016 uh, Gibson Les Paul Traditional. It's a Honey Burst, and it was a birthday gift from my lovely wife. Uh, it was last year. Last year, my, my birthday was in July. How and heavy she, is that? Isn't the trad like non weight relieved? Uh, it, it, yeah, it's, oh. it's, I want to say, I don't know. I'm, my guitar guy said it was like eight or nine. Well, that's and, not that bad then. One like, so, you know, you got the classic, the traditional, the standard. Some of them have weight relief and different levels. And, and one of them doesn't have any weight relief for it's like 12 pounds or some. Like, I can't even imagine <laughs> 12 pounds. I wonder if it's the classic. I wonder if it's the classic is the one, but the trad's got some weight relief in it. Nice honey burst color. Yeah, it's a great guitar. It is. It just screams. It's just so the action. I've got the action really low. Um, I can really just move up and down the fretboard with it. You can you can bend easily. Um, You're not playing slide on that then with low action, are you? No, no. Yeah, because like we just we just all blur. You know. Yeah. <laughs> Sound off. I'm a terrible slide player. I'll, I'll let Gary handle that. Oh, fair enough. Fair enough. Um, <laughs> what what kind of amp are you running through right now? I've got a, uh, it's an old Mesa Boogie single rectifier, the 50 watt. And I play through, um, through a tube of 12 horizontal cabinet. Me and Gary have this pretty much the same, same rig. And we just kind of set it on that, that vintage uh, game, which is, it's kind of mid. You, you can uh, you can roll back the volume on the guitar, mm-hmm. you know, in, in verses, and then pull it back up in choruses to get get some more lift. But yeah, that's definitely definitely that is the. I've also got a uh, out of Fender Blues Deluxe. Oh yeah, I, once in a once in a while, and uh, totally different sound. Oh sure, definitely more that bluesy country rock <laughs> sound to it. You know, you're not going to get a lot of that crunchy gain you're going to do for some of the rockier stuff yeah but it's so, a yeah. beautiful amp though oh yeah it's a nice i got it's the tweed covered yeah um, you gotta the, i mean you gotta go with tweed i mean come on right like why would you choose the what's the, i think the other one's just black isn't it yeah yeah <laughs> you gotta go with the tweed and you gotta play some like 70s like stones and some other with a you know a little bit of a little country little country vibe to it Get that nice sparkly tinniness, you know, out of it, out of a telecaster. Yeah, I'm I'm more of a Gibson guy than than uh, than Fender. Of course, you can see on my back wall, I've got a Strat and a Tele and a Les Paul Special and a SG. But I've got a Les Paul and I've got a thing on the side. But anyways, if I'm I'm a more of a Gibson guy, less Fender, but I do enjoy a Telecaster on on the Fender. That's my favorite type of Fender guitar. Mm-hmm. yeah i've got a uh i've got a, a butterscotch blonde um oh gosh i can't remember the actually it's right here <laughs> bring it we want to see it come on 
Oh, look at that. Wow, nice. That is not, I mean, that butterscotch bond is such a traditional look. It's just classic. Nice maple neck on oh, there. Yeah. I think this, I, I can't remember what, if it's a classic or dance. But anyway, I've had this for, I've had this for about three years now. It's got really. a nice bridge on. I mean, the, the bridge is really nice. Mm-hmm. See, mine, yeah. mine's an American special, and it's got that brass three-saddle bridge on the back, which actually I'm going to change. I'm going to change out to individual saddles because just intonation and stuff, it's a lot better to do that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is a, this for me is like the, the standard, standard tuning guitar. I keep the, the Les Paul and Open G, and that takes up, gosh, probably the majority of the, of the set for me. But then this comes out for... Um, Sometimes we'll do a cover of um, like Glad and Sorry, the mm-hmm. basis. Yeah. I'll play that on there. And I've heard the Crows cover that song before. Yeah. Yeah. They love the faces, man. They played a, quite a few of the faces song back in the day. And both Chris and Rich and their side projects always have done faces stuff. I think I saw a video of Mark, Mark and Rich together playing acoustics and they did that song. And they did, um, yeah, they've done a couple. Like with Magpie, they certainly brought some faces stuff out, and I think they did some little feet covers and also that Magpie was a great band. I just unfortunately just didn't work out for them. That's a bummer. But man, they just Mark and and Rich together were quite the pair. Oh, just unbelievable! Yeah, I was I was bummed about Magpie, but um, I kind of you know at, the, at that time you know you started hearing rumors about the Crows mm-hmm. coming back. Yeah, I got. I was fortunate enough a few years ago in Columbus, Ohio, where I were, were live right right by Columbus. I saw Blackberry Smoke and the Magpie Salute play together, and it was awesome. Yeah, that's I brought my whole family. I brought both my kids, my wife. I'm like, we're gonna. I'm gonna take you and show you what rock and roll looks and sounds like. We're gonna go to this. <laughs> and my son, who's now 18 and a college freshman. Enjoyed it a lot more. I got my daughter's now 16. I think it was like two or three years ago and she got a little tired, but my son was right up front with me the whole time get, getting after it. Oh God. Yeah. How could you, how could you not? Blackberry smoker just, they're so much fun. They're, I think they're, they're the fun. best live band playing right now, mm-hmm. to be honest with you. I know the Crows came back and I saw that show. It was good, but I don't, I think Blackberry smokes best live band right now. I would totally agree with that. Yeah, I really would. Yeah, we saw the Crows back uh, back in July. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and they came to Raleigh, and uh, I mean it was it was fantastic. They they really really dialed in by that time, and it, it sounded fantastic. But um, Blackberry Smoke, oh my gosh, yeah, I've seen them seen them once, and they were just incredible. Well, Brian and I have both seen them a lot. Actually, Brian saw them back to back in the weekend in Vegas together. And they've never put on a bad show. I've probably seen those yeah. guys eight times. Never. Uh, one of one of the to make it to uh, the homecoming in, in Tabernacle. The Tabernacle. Yeah, yeah my wife and I are planning on doing that at some point. Well, Brian, you and I, you know, maybe next next winter, next next year might be good because we're going to have a lot of these connections. We've had Charlie on. I'm going to probably get Brett on. And then tomorrow we're recording a podcast, Chris, with the, uh, I'm going to say it doesn't really matter, the Black Bettys. Oh, no. Nice. The background singers and to kind of do their own stuff. So we're going to have a lot of Blackberry Smoke connections. 
That is awesome. Yeah. And I'm so excited to talk to them. Uh, they seem cool. The background singing adds so much to those. So it's like the, mm-hmm. when the Crows, when the Crows carried background singers, this was what I was happy about this tour is they brought them back, but that gospel our southern like background vocals add so much to those songs it does it just it takes the song and elevates it just takes it to a whole nother level i mean almost you know you always think about um like what mary clayton did on gimme shelter yes oh man (laughs) it just had i mean i just love that it's like it's like literally going to church and you know when you hear the crows play some of those songs where whether it's been remedy my morning song and stuff without those vocals when, you know, you've got Sven and some of those other guys trying to harmonize. It's not quite the same. It really takes away from the song. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, yeah. that's what you need for your next album. You need to find yourself some nice gospel background singers and just just really, you know, just do it. It's funny you say that. <laughs> <laughs> funny. But you're gonna... <laughs> yeah, Jeff messaged me today. He said, oh, okay, I got a, a met. He said, I met somebody who, who can sing like that. And I'm going to, I'm going to see if she'll sing on the next record. Cause uh, what we did on vintage soul rock and roll, you'll hear a little bit of that in the background, but it's kind of a cheat because I've got this harmony singer pedal mm-hmm. <laughs> split into two part harmony. And it really, it kind of, you have to play, play guitar through uh, into the input so that it, it can, I guess, interpolate the, the chord, and it, it affects your voice at the same time, but it's not too, actually on Another Broken Halo, which I know you guys have heard, we use it. So it sounds like there's, you know, there's some like gospel singers in the background. So kind of, and if you, if you mix it just right, you sort of get it, but we definitely, we definitely want the real thing. We would You've got that sound though, where, you know, you could add that in and it's going to really, it's just going to add to it because it is that exact same type of, type of music. Yeah. Yeah. Just start, start scouting your local churches, dude. That's what we're <laughs> Just start showing up to a different church every Sunday and seeing what you can find. <laughs> what else do you have on your pedal board, Chris? Uh, I've got a pretty, pretty sparse pedal board. Um, I, we don't like that, that harmony singer pedal. We don't, we don't use that live. Um, that's just for recording, but on my, my specific board live is really just a crybaby. Why? Um, I've got the TC, uh, the Mojo, is it Mojo Jojo? Mojo Mojo uh, overdrive pedal mm-hmm. that I think Jerry uses. Um, and I've got an MXR, uh, like a volume lift okay. for solo. And that's real, that is really it. You don't have like a reverb or anything on there? Trim? Mm-hmm. No, I don't. See, I, don't I thought care. for sure you have some kind of reverb. All right, wow, you're getting really good sound. Like I, I, I'm minimalist too. Of course, I'm not playing lead. I'm playing. I play um, rhythm and some slides. So, so I don't need a bunch of crazy stuff. But you, man, you really get a good sound. And of course, having a good guitar and a good amp is really mostly what you need. But it's a pretty excellent though, man. Yeah, Gary. Yeah, Gary's pedal board is much more diverse. I would assume, he, yeah. Yeah, he's in. Yeah, he's he's got reverbs and uh, oh gosh, chorus and um, delay or an echo or something. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm sure you got. I mean, you got to have that. Somebody's got to have it. You're a two guitar band. Somebody's gonna break that stuff out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it really it it separates us just enough that you can really you can do about everything in the 
in each of the songs and kind of pull it off. Do you have any uh, blues players at all that, that you listen to or you're influenced by, even if it's subtle at all? Or I got turned on to um, a good friend of mine was telling me about uh, Junior Kimbro. Right on, right on. And I, st- I went on this whole uh, Junior Kimbro tear, and, and I still do. I'll, st- I'll listen uh, while I'm working. I'll always have music playing. But, uh, yeah, just the other day, I had uh, Junior just playing through Spotify from a Bluetooth speaker. I really – it's so different. It's not mm-hmm. – it's a four-bar typical uh, blues structure. It's, it's more droning and mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. more soulful. I, 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 yeah. You, if you haven't heard any of his stuff, oh man, really check yeah. him out. All night long. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I love him and um, oh gosh, Arl Burnside. Yep, there love- you go. Arl uh, Burnside's a badass. <laughs> yeah. God rest his soul. <laughs> we were actually thinking about uh, before we before we come out and play a live show, maybe have it um, like like play a snippet of let my baby ride or something just to have us, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, for sure. That'd be yeah. awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Jason is at that time of the show. Well, Chris, as you know, from the podcast, we always end the show with a lightning round. Are, are you ready? I'm ready. Quick and easy. Don't overthink these, right? That's just fun. <laughs> All right. What's, what's the first record album that you remember getting? Oh, uh, geez, probably the Eagles' greatest hits. All right, that, How, was that a gift? Did you acquire that from a sibling, a family member? That was a Christmas gift from okay. uh, mom and dad. Yeah, isn't that like the top selling or one of the top three selling albums of all time? I think it is. Yeah, I think you're right. What's your favorite track on that? Gosh, probably. I, I always love "Take It Easy." Yeah. Oh. It's so so country. So country. So, <laughs> whip that telecaster out and play it, man. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's the first concert you remember going to? Wow. Oh, this is really gonna this will really date me, but <laughs> cool in the gang at Carowinds Amusement <laughs> Park. <laughs> Celebrate, man. Come on. <laughs> It's awesome. <laughs> nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong with cool in the gang. <laughs> I was I was mesmerized. I thought that was the most amazing thing I'd ever seen. There's some great pop R and B music right there, man. Yeah, yeah that big, and like the Commodores with Lionel Richie. That's good stuff. Oh gosh, Lion the Family Stone. Yeah, that at least once a week. I think one you know if you play blues and southern rock and style inspired music, that stuff plays right into that. That because it clearly has an R and B influence in places. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, and just the harmonies and everything, and just ah, that's good the stuff. Same kind of energy too. It's such like a positive energy. And yeah, it's just you know, just like well, you know, church. It's just a yeah. foot time. It's a lot of fun. Um, what is your favorite place to go see a show? Probably, I prefer I prefer smaller clubs. I love dive bars. Um, probably one of my favorite little dive bars is uh, there's a place called Bar Thirteen in Wilmington, Delaware, that has 
fantastic sound, really good sound. Um, it's an unusual place. It's all, it's painted black on the inside. Sometimes they have like, like goth or fetish bingo. So there's like strange artwork and murals there. It's really, it's really strange, <laughs> but it's full and unique. The sound is phenomenal. The sound guy there is amazing. We played there several different times, but um, yeah, I, re I really enjoy watching bands there. Places like that. Um, there's a place called the Rusty Nail in uh, outside of Philadelphia that is tiny. I mean, it's literally like uh, like somebody's basement almost. Little bitty bar with maybe I don't know twelve, fourteen. Uh, bar stools other little bitty room off to the side with a stage that's um i don't know maybe four inches off the floor just little places like that so much more intimate have you seen anybody of like notable name in in any of those those venues uh not not in either one of those there was a there's a place called the wonder bar in asbury park new jersey and i saw michael monroe play there and i it's it's a it's a pretty small place i want to say there were maybe 50 to 60 people there it was one of the best live shows i've ever seen no kidding he I was saw. Go, go ahead <laughs> oh he was jumping up on tables uh running around playing saxophone harmonica uh probably i think he's he's the most underrated front man of all time I saw uh, Michael Monroe. He was with, um, God, give me the names. A couple Hanoi. different people. Hanoi Rocks? Yeah, that's right. That's right. We've got Gary here. He's joined us late. This is our first for the podcast. we got a, our... a special guest at the end. <laughs> Gary, can you hear us? See us. Gary's in the purple ether right now. <laughs> For those of you at home listening, it's just a like a purple screen. I see connecting to audio. <laughs> Gary, can you hear us? I can hear you. Can you hear me? Yes. You can. I just can't. I can't. I don't have in my studio. I don't have a camera. Okay. <laughs> well, just you play along through the audio. We're we're the lightning round, speed round portion of this time, and I will direct some questions to you. So. Gary, thanks. Gary Jordan, thanks for joining us. Gary plays guitar, also plays guitar in the band, and also does vocals as well. Yes. Um, so, Chris, I saw Rich Robinson solo at this little tiny place in Columbus called the Woodlands Tavern, who, Brian, I've seen them Dirty Roses play the last couple of mm -hmm. times in. Super low stage. Nick Nico was with him. It was right before the Magpie came. It was amazing. Like, I, I could literally just touch rich and his guitars it was crazy just crazy yeah oh. <laughs> it's always amazing to see somebody playing those small type of die places it's the he best. was loud very very loud always heard that <laughs> yeah oh yeah i heard it and felt it but it was cool it was like literally just i could just could play it he was you know touched his guitar i didn't but i could have can we crash the lightning brown round and and uh, get Gary in on the creation this of this record. You can do whatever you want. <laughs> so Gary, we were talking earlier about uh, how the sound changed from uh, from the Velveteen Lounge to uh, Vintage Soul Rock and Roll. If you want to 
talk a bit about that and then you know talk about you know how this record came about and recording it in your basement that'd be just uh splendid uh what do you mean by sound like uh going from sleaze rock to like a a blues rock yeah absolutely um yeah i mean the sleaze rock thing was cool for a while we enjoyed it obviously um but i think the blues rock thing is it's a little bit more it's opening more doors um I'm, I'm trying like really hard to learn a lot of slide stuff um practicing that daily um it just opens up so many like so many doors like for new songs um and it kind of reminds us of our you know the old heroes that we all have so what was it like uh, recording this in your basement and uh chris has told us you guys have, have done the whole record there and and uh just doing all this stuff yourself it's it's a little different uh, on the on this on the first album i call it the sleaze album but <laughs> <laughs> the first album um i mean i i basically recorded everything at my other house it was kind of the same deal except i sent it out to a guy named zach um who's a mutual friend of mine um and he basically mastered and and basically you know mixed it um, I just basically recorded the tunes, the tracks, uh, the raw tracks, and gave it to him. This time it was a little different. Um, got a little bit more. We just kind of said, let's try to do it ourselves, all in house. Um, it was a, it, it was a, it's a challenge. It's not easy by no means. Um, and I've got a long ways to go as far as me learning how to do stuff. But the more I read, the more I tinker with stuff, and I'm getting there. Like I said, we'll all hang in there, and before you know it, hopefully our records will sound really, really, really good. <laughs> well, I've had a sneak preview of this one because Chris was nice enough to send me, and it's it sounds great. Oh, cool! I appreciate that. Um, yeah, it was definitely a it was definitely a challenge. I will say that mastering music is a is a definite art, and like I said, mixing. I mean. I, I feel pretty good at mixing stuff. Uh, I don't have any problem with that part of the, or miking stuff. Used to do that back in the day when I was in cage. I used to, used to help mic drum kits, guitar cabinets, you know, and I used to run some sound. But yeah, that part is easy. Uh, the mastering, not so much. <laughs> it's it's uh, hands down. It's it's really hard. Um, sounds kind of easy, but it's not. <laughs> That's we all. That's why we always send ours out to be mastered. We right. don't do that ourselves, <laughs> right? But here, these days, man, everything's so expensive anymore. It's uh, mm-hmm. it's becoming, you know, it's becoming harder and harder for the small guys to get a to get a decent sounding master done. Um, it's just getting more costly. So we just thought, hey, we're old. We like we're, we're rockers. We're old rockers. Let's give it a shot. Why not? I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, at the end of the day, we're we're in it to have fun and, and make music and continue to make music and and uh, you know, I'm gonna have fun doing it until so I get it right. <laughs> we were talking earlier about when you know the the when the sound change is all very organic. So do you you know was that when you guys were all in the room or did, were you having those thoughts? outside the band and bringing that in or did it all just kind of like if you want to talk about that process 
in all can well, I mean, this this record was definitely different from Sleeves because uh, everybody says it, the pandemic, or as I call it, the pandemic, or whatever. Um, it's it's definitely it, it was definitely kind of hard because I mean, at first we were like tracking stuff over via email and stuff, um, which makes it different, you know, difficult because you're using a lot more plugins versus raw amps um that kind of that kind of makes it a little bit difficult and then we you know at the end of it we got you know nicer stuff we got some nice stuff that you know had bought for us and uh like microphone wise and things tended to uh, turn around and chris came up here and did vocals and we got some we did get some guitar tracks going and it's just different right on right on should we get back to the lightning round? Let's do it. I can direct, I can direct questions at both Chris and Gary. So Gary, Chris a- a- answered a couple questions for me. I'm going to give you a couple of the, the easy ones as well. So what's the first record or album you remember owning? Oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was just laughing at this the other day. I remember buying my first record with my own money because I worked for my old man was, uh, Oh, who was it? I'm trying to think of the name of the band. Minute Work. It Which was one? The, it was the Yellow album that looked like oh, a little radio. Uh, Carg- um, cargo, right? Cargo? No. Was it Cargo? cargo? Yeah, Cargo. Okay. Yeah, that was that was my first time that I, I bought with my own cash. I love Minute Work. Oh, I did too back in the day. I still I mean, like them. I mean, Colin Hay is a master. Like, what oh, an yeah. artist. Mm-hmm. And Rob Clores has played with Colin Hay. <laughs> we talked about <laughs> Rob Clores earlier. He's played with everybody. Blues wow. Traveler and, or John Popper and the Crows. Colin right Hay. Right on. Man, so that's a good choice. What's the first concert you remember going to? Mm, that is a good one. Jeez. I saw so many bands. Um... Can you be cool? Can you be cool in the gang? I probably cannot be cool, gang, even if I tried. <laughs> I mean, I can lie and come up with something better. Johnny Coltrane or something like that. Oh. Um, <laughs> wow. um, no, I mean, I think my first concert that I can definitely remember would be, I think I went and saw like it was ACDC and uh Gosh, who were they with? It was in Ronan Coliseum. I think it was ACDC and uh, that was Van Halen or something. I can't remember. Please, please. So if that's your first show, have your ears recovered from that one? No, I'm still deaf. Yeah, um, right? <laughs> I can't remember. I think that's who it was, but I could be wrong. But I definitely was. It was definitely ACDC. I remember that. Um, that's that's that a pretty was, good show to go to as well. That might be that getting close to cool in the gang territory. Yeah, that was back in 80, I think it was like 88 or 89. 88, I think. But yeah. And I can't remember because I'm you know I'm a musician. Well, that's the one you can recall first going to, so we count yeah. it. So we yeah. count it. All right, you guys are both guitar players, so I'm gonna have some guitar questions for you. Multiple choice, okay? And we'll start with you, Chris. Gibson or Fender? Oh, Gibson. Okay. Same for you, Gary. Gibson or Fender? I mean, I like, but I got both. <laughs> yeah, but you have to choose. <laughs> uh, 
I mean, I'll have to go with the Gibson because I got a gold top and I really like it. Nice. All right, Chris, to you. Les Paul, SG, Les Paul Jr. Mm. Man, Les Paul. Okay. Same to you, Gary. Les Paul, SG, or Les Paul Jr.? Um, well, I'm a big dude, and, and I've always wanted an L, an L uh, shoot. <laughs> I always wanted LP, like smaller one. So, yeah. You guys both going to Les Paul? All right. So, I mean, I, I like Les Pauls as well. I've got everything, and I go with Les Paul. Um, but right now, I'm rocking my TV yellow Les Paul special. The P90s are – I love it. Um, it's great. They're just – the P – Gibson P90s, I know humbuckers are world-class, right? But the P90s, man, I don't know what it is, but it's such a, a great sound to get out of that. It's I a just bought, sound. Yeah, I just bought a uh, Epiphone uh, 56 special. Epi- oh, 56 Les Paul gold top. Yes. P90s, yeah. P90s, oh. yeah. Wow. I yeah. tell you what, the Epiphone guitars the last couple couple years have come a tremendous amount of way in terms of quality build and components and stuff in them. Um, there's a they've got a 335 now that came out I think last year that just looks great. They redesigned the headstock that I've got my eye on at some point. I may have to go for, but man, Epiphones have really really stepped up their game. They really have, yeah. No doubt. I think Gibson too. I think they got a new CEO a couple of years ago. I think the build quality and and they're not trying to do like crazy, really progressive stuff with instruments anymore. They're getting back to like what's really made Gibson Gibson. And you know that's a 2020 Les Paul special. And it's just it's just I can't. There's not a complaint I have about it. Mm-hmm. That's a good solid guitar, without a doubt. All right, moving on, though, um, we're going to go ahead and, Chris, for you, if you could play with any band for one night, living or dead, who are you choosing? Oh, man, gosh. One, um, that's tough. God, well, it'd have to be the Black Crows. Yeah, good choice. Yeah. So are you playing guitar? Are you singing? Are you doing both? What's your choice? Um, I play guitar and sing. Yeah. Are there any particular songs you'd want to make sure you played? Oh, oh gosh. Yeah, definitely. Uh, definitely Rem- Remedy and Wiser Time for sure. Oh. <laughs> Are you guys covering any crows or anything right now? We, what, if, oh, we used to play, um, oh gosh, we did one song. Why is it escaping me? Not hard to handle. Um, twice, twice as hard? As, yeah. Twice. Yeah, twice as hard. Sorry. I talked to you if you like to play an open G, that's a good one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely. When my daughter was little and was learning to play guitar, I taught her how to play that main riff on the guitar open G. I mean, it's easier. I open G and get her the slide and she could do it. But I'm like, hey, there's an eight-year-old playing twice as hard. <laughs> Classic lick. All right, Gary, go, going to you with the same question. Any band or artist living or dead for one night? Where are you going? I mean, I wear the necklace every show. You know which one it is, Chris? Oh, yeah, I know, I know you're talking about. Yeah. I, I, I'm, a, I'm a highly big fan of Queensryche. Really? Nice. Yeah. Um, I, I saw them open up for 
uh, Metallica at the Norfolk Scope back in, gosh, I think it was like 89. Was that the Injustice for All tour? Yes. Loudest show I've ever seen, ever heard and seen. Loudest yeah. show ever. Yeah, we, we, we actually went to Roanoke. We went to Roanoke, saw them Roanoke on a Friday. I mean, it was a Friday night. We saw them in Roanoke. And then we coerced my uh, my buddy Cecil, his dad, to drive us to Virginia Beach to see him at the Norfolk Scope the next night. Was that so, Operation <laughs> Mind Crime for the Queensryche at that point? I, yes, it was. Yeah, it was Mind Crime. And I'm going to tell you that they simply blew Metallica off the stage. It was, it was the Jeff best. Jeff can sing, ever. man. Dude can sing. Yes. It was the best show I ever saw. It was just, it moved me. And uh, ever since then, I've been like a diehard closet uh, Queensryche fan. And I wear so, necklace. I'm going to assume and correct me on this, that you're just going to be playing guitar and you're not singing the Operation Mind. You know, the, yeah, I don't the think I just stuff. Not many people can. Did, can't like Jeff Tate sing opera or sing opera or did something. I just, yeah. 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 Like, it's just crazy. I got a couple quick follow-ups on that. Did you, Gary, did you see that when they did uh, live crime or mind crime in its entirety when they were doing Empire? Like the first set was Empire and then mind crime and then they finished with wow. lucidity did you see that uh, tour i'm trying to remember what tour that was I've, I've been to a bunch of their concerts so i would have to say i did um because i would see them every that was a great show um they just i don't know influenced me that's where i kind of got my specter thing from um, okay so when i was playing bass and I went out and bought one. Well, I mean, my dad bought it. I still had it. And second quick question about Queensryche. Uh, Queensryche without Jeff Tate, are you a purist or are you okay with it? No, I mean, I'm okay with it. Yeah? I'm totally okay with it. Their last record is freaking awesome. Yeah, I love it. Is that essentially just all the all the the band except for Tate? Like it's everybody except for him now? No, just Michael yeah, Wilton and Eddie Jackson. Yeah. Okay. Only originals left and jeff tate's doing his own stuff too isn't he yeah he can only do uh what is it mind crime that's it yeah i think yeah oh that's really the, that's the only album he could play out interesting from what i've heard so i never thought we'd get into discussing queens on this podcast <laughs> but right, here, here we are you know that's right. no, awesome no. man that's good yeah i mean for sure, you know, there's. I'm sure there's quite a few of our listeners that are all rock bands. They have their takes on Queens, right? I'm gonna do a hot take on Metallica right now. And Justice for All is the last great Metallica album. I know everybody liked the Black album, sold a shit ton of out. It's fine, it's good, it's solid, but and Justice for All is yeah, the last right. great Metallica right. album. And other hot take: Megadeth has had a better overall career in terms of output from albums. Than Metallica has. We're not taking record sales or anything else. I'm saying quality of work from start to where they're at now. I I said Megadeth's got a better, better, yeah. better career. Apparently, they're going to have their own money too. Could <laughs> <laughs> be the Megacorn. <laughs> I mean, Megadeth has been more consistent across the board and heavier throughout oh, yeah. the whole entire yeah. output. You know, Metallica's done, but Metallica's done and. You know, Black Album is really good. You know, Load and all that. There's good oh, yeah. stuff on there. But I think, you know, Megadeth kind of kept it kept it hard and heavy the whole time. Yeah, and sure. unfortunately, Dave Mustaine was 
cried on that videotape that some kind of monster with the rest of Metallica too. And like, I'm like, oh, come on, Dave, don't cry right. on video with right. everybody. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll move. We'll, this is we'll get past our progressive heavy metal portion of of yes. of the uh, thing. All right, uh, Gary, we're going to start with you this time. Um, what is a guilty pleasure song or art, artist for you? Hmm. I don't know. How. You can't choose Queen Strike. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> a guilty pleasure. So like something I, we'd be surprised, you know, you're in a guy's done hard rock, blues rock bands. Like what, what I, do we think? I really, I really have been into for the, I don't know, for the last couple of months, um, like in the Luca, Lucas Nelson and Willie Nelson. I, I've been getting back into their stuff and a lot of uh, Wailing Jennings, uh, some of the older stuff. It's a little classic country sound. Yeah, right that's, that's good stuff to be in. Yeah. Didn't Lucas Nelson do something with, was it Lady Gaga or something, sang a song with him? It was really good. For, for, I, think he, I think he wrote all the, Chris, get back me up on this. I think he wrote all the songs for that movie they did. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, the Star is Born remake. Yeah. Yeah. I think he wrote all the tracks for that. Or a bunch you of might have, but I just remember we had that song that Lady Gaga sang on. I was like, man, that's like Lady yeah. Gaga can flat out sing. She is legitimately talented. I've heard her like riff Zeppelin and stuff, and like she is legitimate. Oh yeah, she's yeah. got. It. She can do anything she wants. All right, Chris, we're gonna ask you the same question. What's what's guilty pleasure? Something we'd be surprised to find out that you like. Oh wow. This this could actually apply to uh, to everybody in the band because we 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 tend to do this when we get together sometimes. But we love yacht rock. <laughs> <laughs> who, who doesn't love yacht rock? What's like, yacht rock? Like, Toto, oh, Michael McDonald, oh. um, yeah, uh, Chris, Christopher Cross, <laughs> yeah, it to the streets, <laughs> Pablo Cruz. <laughs> yeah, dude, yacht rock radio on Sirius XM is yeah. great. <laughs> so, so Chris, who are your who are the, some of the best your rock, yacht rock artists that you like? Oh man, uh, yeah, Pablo Cruz, uh, Michael McDonald, Doobie Brothers, uh, Ambrosia, Ambrosia. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. <laughs> There's your guilty pleasure right there. <laughs> Thanks, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, Christopher Cross, though, man, he had a ton of good hits, dude. dude <laughs> you know, he could play guitar. Toto, like, Toto, Toto's a great rock band. Yeah. We, we always say Michael McDonald was the guy that was in the studio, and everybody would say, you need him on your record. Seriously, he <laughs> sung with everybody, yeah. for sure. Yeah. You need his voice on your record, and you'll sell millions and billions of records. That's the truth. <laughs> that is the truth. There's not. There's nothing wrong. With yacht rock. In fact, yeah, ride like the wind. Yeah, you stand on the Christopher Cross. Crisscross. Yeah, ride like the wind. Uh, he did Arthur's theme. He did all sorts. Yeah. Man, he's got a huge. Uh, Lady yeah, in Red. He's got a. He's got a mega bank. Dude, totally, totally. <laughs> like, don't dis. Don't disrespect christopher cross on your own podcast brian yeah, this is a very musically diverse podcast let me tell you we're going from <laughs> megadeth to christopher cross queens right christopher cross everything we in had, between we had Bull and the gang <laughs> willie nelson lady gaga this is why the lightning round is so much fun i because you just never know what's going to go on with these questions you never know where it's going to go 
All right. My last question for you guys, and it's kind of a joint question is, is give us a good story, entertaining story from one of your performances or, or shows on the road. Like what's something, what's a good story to tell about what's happened to you out there playing? Oh man, let's see. <laughs> Weird stuff always happens. You know, I'll give you for instance, we were playing a show one time and some drunk guy came in with a stuffed taxidermed fox and got up on stage with us and one of our band members got in a fight with him. So <laughs> why he had a, a taxiderming stuff fox i don't know but he was super drunk and wanted to play drums with us so now you have to top that story <laughs> that's kind of hard yeah <laughs> no. i'll try yeah. to think I think Jason made that up. <laughs> no, I did not make that up. Quite possibly had to. No way. There was way too much detail to be made up. I remember the show too. There was this. There was this. Um, in the back of the the bar, there's these glass double doors that led to like a hallway, and all the bands we staged our stuff back there. And uh, Tom, who sings and plays guitar in the band, shut the double door, and then like the glass shattered in it, and we just kind of. Went on about our business. Didn't tell anybody. <laughs> it was a wild night, apparently. Man. We oh, played man. a show. Gary, you, you remember this. This is probably like one of the earlier shows we were in. Oh, I think we were in Maryland, and a girl showed up with a... Uh, it was a like a Chucky doll. Yeah, like you remember that? Doll. Yeah, it was a Chucky doll. A Chucky doll. And what yeah. did she do with the Chucky doll? Was she just sitting there watching guys with a Chucky doll? Yeah, she was like drinking drinks and carrying around. I do remember that. That was in uh gosh, where was that? Well, that was right before M3, I think. Oh, M3. Yeah, that's out there. In, in, yeah, uh, and she was scared, yeah, she was carrying I think it was that uh that pre-party, the, M3 pre-party. Yeah. Yep. And she was yep. spotted at M3 with that same trusty top walking around. I don't know who it was. But yeah. <laughs> I can't think of any. <laughs> Any bands on that M3 bill that would have some kind of Chucky presence? I have no idea. Kicks? <laughs> I don't know. Kicks shouldn't have Chucky. Yeah. Did they, did they sing a song on one of those soundtracks for the, the Child's Play movie soundtracks? Oh, maybe Dangerous Joy Toys were there or something. They oh, did. that would make sense. Dangerous Toys. I mean, that's, yeah, that could be. I, yeah. Brian just perked up on Dangerous Toys. <laughs> oh, hey. I, don't, I don't think Chucky's in the Scared video. <laughs> you chose that on our Halloween special, didn't you? Yeah, and then when they did the video version, I had like somebody had like the rights of the, then, so it couldn't. You got done to redo yeah, it, redo the whole thing over the Scared video. <laughs> well you know i had a stuffed fox you guys had a chucky doll you know it's all you never know what's going to happen when you're playing live music right anything's possible yeah anything so <laughs> what is your main site to go to you want everybody to go to Bandcamp because you've got all your merch on there you can get your music you can you can pre-order the album like where where do we go to find out more about babylon shakes and buy your stuff i was yeah Bandcamp is definitely the the central location um and we kind of drive drive people from facebook and instagram towards towards that um facebook you'll probably get 
more more immediate updates from us. But yeah, Bandcamp is is where you can order pretty much everything. Everything. That a lot we of have. great merch. A lot of good looking merch. I highly recommend you guys going out listening. Go buy their stuff. It looks great. Get this new album, a uh, vintage soul rock and roll. I've heard I've heard an early version of it because I got the Google link from Chris. I love it. Um, I'm looking forward to coming out. I pre-ordered it. Uh, so Facebook for updates, Bandcamp for merch and album stuff, and throwing over to you, Brian. Well, thank you guys, and we have to plug Babylon Entourage, the the yeah, Babylon Shakes facebook group that you guys gave me uh, permission to be uh admin of and it's uh really doing well so thank you guys oh thank you and so yeah i mean for the listeners yeah it's chris clark gary jordan guitar players and babylon shakes and chris i'm getting a little bit sappy but you know thank you so much for your compliment earlier about you know our podcast give me a little uh you know extra boost to write some more songs or just write whatever man that means a lot to us and designing our artwork and you know once again it sounds a little sappy we're you're one of those bands that we kind of adopted you know so they're part of the family you know it's just great doing this podcast and finding about all these bands and kind of adopting some of them so thank you guys so much for being on we really appreciate that and if you would uh hang out with us for a couple more minutes after we get done rolling that would be splendid thank you to chris clark and uh gary jordan from babylon shakes uh the one thing i have to say and i'm touched and it is so cool for chris to say that you know our podcast has uh kind of kind of maybe lit a little bit of an extra fire you know for him to like be inspired to write more and i I haven't heard that yet so that's that's pretty damn awesome that is you know and he's you know as he's listening to podcasts and some of these other artists like you said to be inspired by them and go out and create all these songs for the new album the vintage soul rock and roll album which is coming out on Friday uh, the 10th. And that's why he was on to talk about that. And Brian, you're right. Like we've never really had a compliment like that. And it was, it was great to hear. You know, and this, this episode ran the gamut of, of musical spectrums more humorously at the end, but uh, you know, it's at the beginning when Chris is mentioning, he's mentioning LA guns, he's mentioning faster pussycat who, you know, their, their first record, you know, exit from the Velveteen lounge uh, I thought it sounded a lot like uh, Tamey Down. I thought Chris's vocal did so, and he talked about that being influenced by those guys. And and uh, and towards the end, like I said, we talked about everybody from Queensrÿche to to uh, yacht, yacht Rock, Yacht Rock, Yacht Rock, <laughs> Christopher Cross. <laughs> Which is always great to talk about musicians about other other stuff they know here yeah. or into or yeah. whatever. And that's always I enjoy this part of the conversations just to see what comes out. And it's awesome. You don't see it coming. So <laughs> I mean Charlie Starr liked the Oasis, and that's cool because yeah. Oasis is a cool band. And then you hear mm-hmm. like a lot of dudes into um disco, you mm-hmm. know, it's like Greg Martin, the headhunters, and yeah, and Steve and Steve uh, you know, from the Black Crows right, Gorman. Right, right. So. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, and just so interesting to hear like how hands-on they are about making this record and recording it, mixing in Gary's basement and Chris doing all the artwork. I mean, those guys are just, uh, their whole being is into it and that's pretty damn cool. Well, you having Chris on too, we've chatted with him so much through email and social media. Like he came on, it was like, like we known him forever. It was a real easy conversation. Yes, it was. And we always appreciate that. And, you know, we got some more, uh, you know, really cool stuff coming, you know, to 
to wind down the holiday season here coming up. So you guys, a lot of good gifts, Brian. We got a lot of good yes, gifts for our listeners. Yes, we do. So you guys will have to wait and see what uh, shows up under the tree. Until then, remember, Southern Rock is reverent. Blues is blood. We'll see you next time.
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 